What a waste of crab cakes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know what this guy has done? Welcome to the Baseball STL Podcast. Back again, as promised, we are back on a regular publishing schedule, so thank you for sticking around through the hiatus. I'm going to adjust my mic here in case you guys hear me bumping. Got a lot to go go over this week. Kind of a, an up and down week for the Cardinals, mm. uh, members of the Cardinals. Joining me again, uh, back again, Maurice Drummond, yes. sports director at KMOV. Follow him at, on Twitter, at Maurice Drummond. How you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm a, I'm a busy day. This is a busy day. I'm, you know... Keeping up the standards of the professional journalist is it's a hard life. Yeah. You know? Somebody life. has to do it. We, I um, wish it wasn't me, or at least <laughs> I wish it paid better. <laughs> uh, on the boards, uh, Mike Ritter. Follow him on Twitter, at Mike Steve Ritter. Mike doesn't uh, have an independent mic today, so he'll, you'll, you'll hear him lean in and out as he, he shepherds us through this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Slide us a note or two. Yeah. So let's get going. Mike, I'm going to lean in. Tell me where we're going today on this episode. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, how the Cardinals are playing some bad teams. We talked about that last week and how they had a really easy stretch of games coming up, and they're starting to wrap that up with their final game tonight. They played eight games against last-place teams. They are four and four in those games, so very mediocre against bad teams. They've allowed 41 runs in those games, and they've only scored 34. And as they sit... Uh, this afternoon, on Wednesday afternoon, they're three games out of first place and a half game out of the wild card spot. Well, I, I tell you what, you, you can also – now, you're talking about the bad teams. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're talking about the stretch yep. of games with, with the Marlins and with the, the Padres. Reds. And, and the Reds. But let's even go back to the White Sox. You know, I mean, go back to, to Twins. I mean, you go back and look at those numbers – and if I'm not mistaken, I believe they are a game under 500. Um, well, this is this is we talked about a little bit about this last week, and my 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 outrage at the fact that you, the the Cardinals seem to play to their competition up and down, and they really played down to bad teams and they beat themselves. That you know we we talked a lot harped a lot about that that Marlins game where it was just a comedy of errors mm -hmm. in the field and you know just base running mistakes, defensive mistakes, everything. And we we brought up that comment that Mike likes to make where you never know which loss is the one that knocks you out. And I pointed to that one, put that in the ledger. When you look down here and you see three games out of first, that's you're two, you should be two games out of first, but if you want to go back, you can pinpoint three or four games where they beat themselves against teams not capable of beating them sure. without them collapsing, and they've they're in first place if they play disciplined baseball against these uh, the uh, garbage teams. I called them garbage last week. I'm not backing <laughs> off. I'm I'm staying on it. These are terrible teams. Yes, and they're objectively terrible on purpose because they're rebuilding. You should be cleaning these wins up, and they keep giving them away. Well, I, I tell you what, you're, you're talking about these teams. You know, we're talking about the Marlins, Twins, Reds. Yeah, these are, these are pretty bad teams. But why are the Cardinals losing to these teams? And, you know, I, I think when you look back at this, this Padres series, um, you know, and, and I go back and I, I still go back to, you know, the Marlins. I, I, I keep thinking of pitchers that they face that they've never seen before. 
they can't seem to clean up on no-name pitchers. Yeah. And, and this has been a while. That's been an ongoing thing that people have observed for a while. It's yeah. like if, if it's a lefty making his MLB debut, he will get, get ready for Sandy Koufax, man. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. And, and I don't understand that. I mean, because all these other teams seem to beat up on these guys. And, and, and you know, that we keep hearing about the Cardinals' dependence on video. We've heard it come even from inside the organization that, mm-hmm. you know, this is a mm-hmm. team that depends – totally on video if they you know, rather than using your eyes you know feeling the game so to speak um that's that's one thing that i keep taking away from these these no-name uh pitchers and these, and these you know playing these sorry teams but let's face it i mean this this offense um at times just hasn't been representative of a team that could that should be in the playoffs no, and I think I mean the, the the injuries have hurt, and I like I, you know I have to acknowledge that. But I mean, really, like they're getting great starting pitching for the most part. Oh yeah, they're I'm offense, afraid they're wasting it. Yeah, like, I mean, this feels this feels it's it's one of those things that like whenever whenever the reckoning comes for the starting pitching, because every season that happens, you you know you dip back down. There's the, you 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 come back to the norm a little bit. Whenever that reckoning comes, I don't know what happens because you're getting about the best level of pitching you can possibly manage even with young guys in this rotation guys that you're depending on that you weren't counting on having to depend on their bullpen is a mess and it's a lot of its injuries and a lot of it is you know guys riding that bus up and down from from memphis but a lot of these games they're making it harder on themselves none of the the bullpen has been a mess right but none of that has been particularly continually fatal Extending innings by making errors, or you're getting thrown mm. out stealing. And We're still seeing that, and you're giving th- those things to me are the difference between them being in first place and and and, and not. You know, Greg Holland, Tyler Lyons, these guys had really bad t- times with the team this season. However, all those those are kind of like the cost of doing business, right? You build those breakage games in. What you don't build in for is your bullpen collapsing because guys are having to throw 25 extra pitches yeah. because we can't throw across the diamond. Or giving away a runner every time they steal, it feels like, and not being able to prevent anyone else from stealing. Mm-hmm. These are the things that are separating them from being in first place. Like their offense is, is we're going to get to that, Mike. I know that you, you brought up, you know, there are certain guys that are, that are heat, heating up. However, the offense has been good enough with this pitching. It's, it's the fact that they cannot, they cannot dependably prevent competitive advantages in the game. They cannot keep people from moving into storing position. They can't stop giving away bases. They can't stop running into outs. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the bigger deal than any one narrative of injuries or, or bullpen problems. Yeah. Well, we thought that a lot of that would be fixed, mm-hmm. and um, they're still having a problem with it. But we're, you know, one of the things that you thought was going to be a turning point this season um, was Alex Reyes's return. Now, we talked about Ooh. how that was handled last week, but, of course, we finished recording – when the news the news then came out that he was lost for the year. But you thought, looking at him, that this was an injection of life, right? This is like, you were in a way, you're almost looking at it like, get to when Reyes gets here, right? Once he gets here, now think of that rotation. Now think about, like, th- th- that really is a turning point. And to have him come in and throw four innings and then just immediately be done for the year is... I mean, they've had so many injuries, I don't want to call it backbreaking, but it really cha- it changes the tenor of the entire season because now the cavalry ain't coming. No. Well, look, I mean, if you're talking about a cavalry, um, okay, I think there was a point where we were looking at Jack Flaherty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, would he be the guy who was going to, 
you know, would, would Reyes's return cost him a spot or would it be Weaver? You know, turns out now, obviously, you need both guys. You need them to be both very good yeah. from here on out. Um, so now you look at guys like, you know, Austin Gomber, um, you know, guys coming up from the farm. I, I don't know if these guys are, are all going to be, you know, primed and tuned and ready for a playoff push. And, and, and none of them are, are weapons with the, the firepower of Alex Reyes. You know, Jack Flaherty has been – He's been good. And he's been, gra- he's been great. And But I don't think going into this season, even if he broke camp with the team, there was never going to be an expectation that he was probably going to sustain that over a full big league season. There's, it's just so many more innings. You know, you knew that he would probably give you some great starts, but I don't think anyone was looking at this year being the Jack Flaherty year. I think this was the Alex Reyes year. You know, he was finally yes. going to be in the rotation for the full time. And, and when he's in the rotation, and this is not to take away from Jack Flaherty, but there is, you know, I would argue that there are maybe one or two pitchers in baseball that are that have the the game changing abilities of Alex Reyes, season changing. I he, mean, he, he was has, supposed to be that guy. That's why they I gave mean, him the extra rest. Yes, he had the he had the hundred hundred mile an hour fastball, an unbelievable, a, a knee shattering, back breaking breaking ball. Um, that kind of stuff is so rare mm. that to count on it and then to have it stripped away so quickly. Yeah. It, to me, it, it, it changes the whole vibe. Now, now he made a comment to reporters yesterday um, that you know he revealed some some personal news um, that was really heartbreaking to hear for him to you know he hadn't that hadn't come out he hadn't told anybody about his daughter and and I do after after talking about his injury the way I just did I do feel like it would be doing him a disservice not to mention that like he very clearly put this in perspective when he said you know my daughter's been battling cancer she you know she fought for her life. I'm going to fight for my career. But it is very easy to forget that these these are human beings, you know, flesh and blood under Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Because we, you know, and you, this is how, this is a sports podcast. This is what we do. But we're talking about him almost like a commodity for the franchise. And you forget that through all of this, through the devastating injury and hic- hiccups and, and false starts of his career, he's also bearing the weight of oh, uh, yeah. a child going through cancer. So I feel like... The game of life. Yeah. It would be, it would be, uh, I think it would be kind of out of bounds not to mention that, especially... Given that in, in this context, we talk, to him about, we talk about his talent as an asset, right? Right, right. Um, But this has been, for as hard as, is, is, you know, athletes can have it with traveling and being away, you know, from families and everything, this has been a brutal year. You know, this has been a brutal run for him, you know. I mean, it's, it's hard to even imagine um, a guy, because, you know, you know, of course, we were at spring training together, you know, you and I last spring when we got the news that he had the Tommy John, and he was devastated yeah. by that. And now to come all the way back and now to have this happen. And, you know, something interesting came out of that, too, um, that we haven't discussed yet. And that is the comment that Mike Matheny made that, you know, remember we saw uh, Carlos Martinez basically have essentially a half a rehab start yeah. and then come up. And he wasn't bad, but, you know. Didn't look settled. No. Didn't, didn't look good. The comment that, uh, that the Cardinal manager said that I need guys to be more honest mm. about their injuries. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be interesting. I, I, you know, I, I keep thinking that in the context of this season, I'm saying to myself, is, is, this a, is this a cry for help for the manager? I mean, what, what is he? Uh, he's usually very close to the vest. And he, def- he never, he almost never, in the, in the time that I've been doing this, 
can I recall him putting it putting it on a player ever? And I don't. Yes, this might I, be a first. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think he's out of bounds doing that. I think I think I was like he always you know he always just shuts down and like isolates the player. But I think that this is he is right to say that. Now the Alex Reyes stuff, I don't want to get, I don't want to go over it, but I'm like that's something that like he shouldn't take he shouldn't have a heartbeat without someone on the medical team knowing. Like you know every. His pulse should be monitored. Yeah, but it was sparked by the Reyes situation. But apparently, you know the sound. The sounds of things, is, uh, you know, is that he didn't really convey what he was going through, right? And I feel like there's got to be a way for a professional organization with this much investment in a player to to not depend on them fully being honest. But I realize that that might not be possible when you got guys at the major league level that know. If I throw when I should not throw, this can balloon on me and get mm-hmm. away. I don't understand. I don't understand that you'd have this problem. That that you don't know what's going on injury wise with your players because they're not telling you either. That's insane not to tell them. I mean, your career rides on this. You would think. So the the, the question would become: Why aren't they telling them? Because they're not all stubborn, being like stubborn, petulant children, right? Is there a disconnect to like they don't? Like they don't feel comfortable with the medical team. Yeah, is that is? I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that they that are. That word is trust. I'm not saying that they don't. You know, but I'm I'm asking, why would you not? Why, when your body is your living, would you not communicate injuries to that body? Yeah, because I'll be honest with you. When you look back through the season, uh, Adam Wainwright, uh, that looked to be a situation also yeah. where you know here he here he comes. He's back again. Oops, no, he's done. Uh, there's something going on here. There's something not connecting yeah. uh, with the medical team slash manager slash player. So, now, we can always go back and we can hear all the whispers from, you know, from people, from fans. Oh, these guys, are, you know, they're soft. They got to fight through it. Whatever. Um, Which, and that's, that's asinine. It, right. That's it's, asinine. It, that, that's crazy. You know, but I do believe that there is something going on um, in regards to you know, I don't know if it's a trust issue, but but there's something is not connecting here. And clearly, the clearly the chain of communication is broken, in some way. Like it has to be because it's got to be the players. The We're players seeing not communicating. Of this. The the medical team not communicating. Mike not being able to communicate. I don't know what it is, but there's way too many. Like when the manager says, "You guys got to be more honest," you should not have a string of injuries and every one of them is a surprise. I mean, that's you. You have to be more in tune with what's going on, but. Uh, you, Greg Holland, exactly, and, and, and for a guy like Alex Reyes not to say anything, you know, I'm sure right now, I'm sure that this was a very difficult thing because you start to look at, like, I don't know if you remember Marcus Dupree. Oh, sure, but like, the, you know, the, the the best that never was. Yeah, like, it's got a way on a, a a young guy like this who has been the next thing coming for a long time, and he just can't get it on the tracks, and you start to hear that in your head, maybe like, look, this my career's ticking away here. My, I got to fight prime. through this, and and. But for him to risk a whole season to not communicate, I, how do you stay patient until the fourth, you know, the last second of the fourth quarter, and then decide I'm going to push through it? I don't know. Let's move on. Let's move on. I keep. It's interesting points. It you know, I when we talked a little bit about this last week too, so I don't want to get too. I don't want to go over the same ground. But Jose Martinez, Marcelo Zuna, hot and hot. Marcelo Zuna is. 15, last 15 games, mm-hmm. 354, mm-hmm. 646 slugging, 12 RBIs, four home runs. Jose Martinez is a beast. Yes. He's got five home runs in the last seven games. He's got 11 RBI. 
this is this is your Bash Brothers if you're the Cardinals. I mean, these are your guys. It's hey. clear now, for better or worse, like th- this is your offense right here. Yeah. And these I, are the guys you're trying to get to in the lineup. And I, and I would say uh, coming up as a, in a distant third or maybe a not-too-distant third, Matt Carpenter. He's coming on. Yes, he is. Yeah. He is. Because everyone else is in a tank. Yeah. Tommy Pham has disappeared from the face of the planet. Yeah. We, yeah, we were talking all-star game for him at one time. We're talking uh, at the outset of the season, you know, if everything breaks right for Tommy Pham, this is MVP. MVP year, thirty thirty, right? Yes, he has. It's he has. There. He has completely. Yeah, he's he's gone into the sunken place, man. I don't know yeah. where he, I don't know where he's at. Now, I you know we talked a lot about this building an offense, right? Who are you trying to get to in the lineup if the game is on the line? I always talk about that that uh, Pujols home run off Lidge, and you were like, you know, if if Eckstein can get on and and Edmonds draws a walk or something, you know, if we can just get to Albert Pujols, you yeah. know, that the Cardinals, if they can just get to him. He can save us. The Cardinals have gone on for a couple years without that guy. There is no like if we can get to him in the ninth, yeah. you know, that, that then we'll be okay. Yeah, the scary guy. Yeah, there is no you know the, who are you trying to get to? Jose Martinez. It doesn't feel like like I don't think people still fully see him like that because I, he was this guy that kind of drifted around and never got a shot in the majors, and then he was the good story. Oh, he's the guy that hit uh, you know hit hit hard off Aroldis Chapman, you know. When is this guy, you know, when is the magic going to end? When is Bo Hart, you know, going to going to stop hitting everything yeah. and you know, this everything? He's not going back. This is this, this is who he is. This is the level of hitter he is. It's shameful that he could never get into the majors when he was playing for Kansas City. But the Cardinals have really leaned on him and I think at this point in the season you're like he's your guy. Now Ozuna's coming on, but Jose Martinez He's the bicep in the middle of your lineup, right? Yeah. yeah, he's been fantastic. I think it's funny when you look at him in the box, man. He's he's tall, he's awkward, and you know, feet bad. Everything's moving all over the place, and just like, how does he do it? And and his know, swing looks long, but it, it's not really. Well, he 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 makes great adjustments, you know. And I think that's what we're seeing now from Ozuna. Uh, if you watch certain at bats and. I noticed especially the last couple games, especially maybe some pitches that were inside on him, you know, the way he's kind of shortening and using his hands, you know, and he has really made great adjustments. Now, he can also hit a baseball a yeah, long oh, yeah. way when he finally gets a hold of one, but it seems like that we're also seeing more adjustments being made where it seemed like he was pulling everything and, and uh, you know, ball wasn't going anywhere. At least now he's it was getting – It was the ground ball – Ground ball through the hole on the left side. That was like that was what he was doing. Right now like, you're seeing line drives yeah. going to gaps, elevating. He's elevating. elevating. And everyone, you know, everyone's been talking about that, but he is he is elevating the baseball. And the thing is, why that is such a fixation point for the media and and people looking at analytics is because when you're as strong as Ozuna is, getting a ball into the air, immediately you're talking you're you're looking at 20, 30 home runs because. You know, if I get out there and I'm elevating the ball, that just means a lot of pop flies. But with the kind of strength he has, him driving balls into the ground does him no good. It's a waste of time. Right. So that's why the fixation is on him elevating because what you want, like Randall Gritchick, right? He was so strong that if you can just get a ball in the air, you have a good shot of at least reaching the wall, if not going over it. His problem is making contact. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, remember that. when Randall Gritchick said he was going to go to Toronto? He's like, now I'm in Toronto. I finally feel like I can like really blossom. And then Mike kind of fired back, like, you know, maybe you should just focus on baseball. He's hitting 188. Yeah. He's Randall Gritchick is one of those guys that just never, you know, all it was all there. The strength was all there. Yeah. Like athletic. He just he he just bad pitch recognition. He can't hit. He cannot hit. <laughs> Away from bats to arms. 
Jordan Hicks. Mike here. I'm going to look. Jordan Hicks, the note is, is good. Jordan Hicks is good. <laughs> and he threw the ball very fast. <laughs> Jordan Hicks is good. And I think... And getting better. How about that? We talked about this getting a lot better. in that what does 105 do for you if you can't control it? Or you still get contact. Yeah. You can't miss bats. Yeah. Which, which he wasn't doing. He wasn't missing bats. No. Well, he was either... Yeah, he wasn't missing a bat or he was missing everything. You know, that, that sequence where he threw 105 twice in a row, that sequence is terrifying to watch because there's three good pitches in there, one that bounces in the left-handed <laughs> batter's box, one that, like, tails up and nearly rips this guy's throat out. <laughs> but he's striking guys out now. Yeah. He's striking guys out, and he's walking less guys. And you, you wanted to think that that was a, a matter of time, right? Because there's no way a guy with this level of st- stuff – and he can move his fastball right. if he slows it down a little it's bit. It's not a straight yes. ball. It is 104 with movement. And his and and really, while everyone's looking at that hand, the, the, the radar gun, they're missing the best pitch he has, which is the slider. Because 105 is great, but if 105 is all you have, you don't know, care how much it moves, they'll find you. They'll time you up. MLB, can, MLB hitters can hit 120 if they want to. They just need enough time. The slider is the wipeout. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean it's 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 such a great secondary weapon, and I I would call it a primary weapon. But because you know you're going to throw more fastballs, it's it's your it's your strikeout pitch now. Yeah, I'll tell you something else too about him. Um, We talked about this in our first episode after opening day. Um, I was really concerned about his workload, Mm -hmm. and um, you know talking about. You know, deploying him in situations where you know you don't see a lot of them, you kind of bring him in, give give the other team the knockout punch, get him out of there. Yep. And um, because of you know the point that you made about you know there's no other way to call the bullpen but a mess because of the bullpen situation, uh, Hicks and Bud Norris are really your probably most two most dependable guys. Yeah. And and we've seen Mike Matheny use one or those two guys go two. Yeah. Extended innings. Yeah. And that worries me a little bit because, you know, with as hard as Hicks throws, um, you know, I don't know. I'm a little concerned well, about the usage. Not, and he's not a hulking, you know, he's not like a, he's not a, a you know, Alex Reyes had a pretty big frame for a guy that throws. Yeah. I mean, Roldis Chapman is humongous. Yeah. Jordan Hicks does not look like a guy whose body would support 100, 105 miles an hour. Yeah, and th- I mean, uh, even he, though he was a starter, and yeah. I, I mean, that's that's something I but think. You, that yeah, you hate to say this, but it's almost guys that throw like that, and they're at this age, and the amount of the amount that they're going to be used, like you almost are just like, all right, when is Tommy John's surgery happening? What year is this going to happen? Because like Mike made this comment a long time ago, because you know guys are getting it in high school now, right? Oh yeah, that he's just said it seems like as the velocity goes up, the mindset for pitchers really has been like wind them up. And then when it pops, we'll stitch you up, and you're good to go in a year, and you're in your back. Look, I had a pitching coach tell my son, uh, my son's team, my son's 12 years old, and so one of the uh, one of the instructors was, you know, had a pitching class, and it sounded weird, but he just was trying to show them a motion that wouldn't hurt their shoulder. I mean, in other words, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't hurt their shoulder so much. They said, mm-hmm. look, you know, if you and I, I'm telling you, I'm almost quoting him here. You know, if you hurt your shoulder, that can hurt your career. If it's your elbow, 
You get Tommy John, you'll be fine. Yeah, that's what, and that's what Adam. Isn't that Wainwright, amazing? Adam Wainwright said that same thing. He said, "You know, you're so relieved to hear to to, to know it's elbow because shoulder ends career, elbow just ends the season." Yeah. So I mean, you you know that this is probably coming for a guy like Jordan Hicks because and and you know people are like Mike's using him too much and I can see that argument to some point, but like, what's he supposed to do? He's got to win games. You know, you got to win games. Like, you know, at some point, you got to be able to use your players, and you won't, you know, really. Bud Norris has a lot more miles on him. I would use less of him multiple innings, more of Hicks, because he's a, he's a great weapon, and you've got to win games. You're three games out of first, and apparently nobody can play defense or run bases, <laughs> so you've got to win games when you can win them. Or you can say it this way. You can say, I'm going to ride that Bud Norris horse for a while because he's on a one-year deal, and if I use him up, he gone. Where sure, that's, it, a, that's a good point. You know, whereas Hicks, you know, you're kind of hoping for him for the long term as well. Well, and speaking of winning games in first place and all that, look who's coming to town. The Cubbies. Who are currently losing to the Milwaukee Brewers. The battleship, the juggernaut that is the Milwaukee Brewers. And I don't understand the Brewers right now because they, they're at least a starter short of being excellent. Yes. But yet they've played excellent well, baseball. Like, take me through. Who are their, you know, you know I know Yellow just having a great year. I know that they've got a lot of young guys Kane. playing well. Kane, that's right. Kane is. I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. I was looking this up last night. The Kane is. Mm-hmm. Kane's an MVP conversation right now. Jesus Aguiar, mm-hmm. filling in for the injured Eric Thames, and been a booming bat. Yeah, at Kane. First base. I'm actually really happy to see Kane playing well because I always liked him in Kansas City. But I digress. Cubs are coming. We'll worry about the Brewers at a later date. Cardinals swept them last time. I'm not. End of their I'm not sure that that's the same Cubs that are coming to town. I think that's really... Is it, is it the same Cardinals? Uh, that's another good question, too. You know, <laughs> it might still be, because if you recall, a struggling Dexter Fowler hits a walk-off yeah. on Sunday night slash Monday morning baseball yeah. Yeah. To, to complete the sweep. And I don't think Dexter's hit it like two weeks before that, and I don't think he's hit since. Yeah. But he hit that, that walk-off at 1 a.m. Yeah. in the morning. Yeah, I don't think that we'll we'll see, but I think this this Cubs team has kind of begun to stir to life a little bit. Their pitching was real, real rocky. Mm-hmm. They they seem a little bit more stable. Their offense is kind of up and down, but I don't think that 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 this Cubs team coming in now at this point in the season, I don't think they let the Cardinals hang around long enough to let Dexter Fowler beat them. I mean, that's that's part of the reason it's so frustrating to watch this Cardinal team do this. Is you let teams hang around. You're going to get beat by a 150 hitter because they sh- you you should have finished them off. That's you know, right. It's, it's like pickup basketball. If you mess around and, and and are not playing, you're going to get beat by the worst player on the court. He's <laughs> going to hit the game winner 100%. And I don't think the Cubs let let the, this, this Cardinal team hang around that much. But I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 they're kind of confounding, too. The only one that I know that I, I can expect a level of play out of is the Brewers. The, yeah. the Cubs – the Cardinals are all over the place. The Cubs are, are underperforming for their talent. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, Lester, Lester and Waka open it up, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Lester and Waka open it up. I think the Cards have an edge in that matchup. And then whoever they're going to throw against Martinez, let's say Martinez is a little bit more comfortable, hopefully. I think the Cardinals have the edge in that. The Cubs pitching is not great. You know what? This is not a juggernaut Cubs team. You know, this is not – we're giving the Cubs an awful lot of credit for being the Cubs. They're, this is not the Cubs that won the World Series. Um, 
you know, they went out and got you Darvish, who's been on the DL, and he was mm. a disappointment he anyway. Bad. Um, he's been bad. Um, you know, I think they were expecting a lot out of Quintana. Uh, you know, he's okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't see a, a Cubs team to fear. You know, they've still got names, you know, on that team. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know if this is a ju- this is not a juggernaut team. Their offense, their offense has been slow to stabilize, I think. But I like, you know, Anthony Rizzo is still a great hitter. You know, uh, Addison yeah. Russell's hitting like 290 this year. Yeah. Baez has had a fantastic year. Contreras is, uh, I mean, he's top five catcher certainly. Yeah. I mean, they have the thing is, I know they, they don't feel like they felt when they were the when they were World Series bound yeah. or even last year. The but, swagger, but you there's know what not. I mean? th- yeah, I think it's the personality maybe that's missing. But this is still look at the team. I mean, this is. There's talent. This is still a great team on paper. And I'm very interested to see how this Cardinals series goes. Because I think if the Cubs are scuffling and playing like garbage, the Cardinals are going to do the same thing. Yeah. But if the Cubs are playing really well, I think the Cardinals are going to do the same thing. Well, the Cardinals were expecting to have an Alex Reyes yeah. for this series. Yeah, exactly. You know, They were expecting to have I mean, this guy. Walker, Reyes, Martinez, like, good luck. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's a totally – you mentioned game-changing. Hmm. That was a game-changing injury, so now you've got – uh, well, let me ask you this: uh, Do the Cardinals have to? I'm not going to say sweep, but you don't want to get swept, certainly. No, I think they like. I think the two out of three. I think is what they need to take. I mean, I obviously, think you need to get two out of three because now you're heading, you're heading. You're getting close to July here, and this is a a rough end this month. They play. Who are they, Mike? I know that you want to say this on the mic. Yeah, uh, they uh, wrap up against the Cubs over the weekend, and then they will head to Philadelphia, who has the same record as them. Or they might be a game back now, but Philadelphia's been better than expected this year. They play Cleveland in this stretch, who's a first-place team. They play Atlanta in the stretch, who's a first-place team. First-place Atlanta. And they have a The Baby Braves. That's right, and they have a weekend series against Milwaukee in there also. Okay, so... So that's, I mean, that's, that's why I'm saying two out of three in this series is crucial, not only for... Essentially, for the, the the oomph that it gives you to take the series from the Cubs yeah. after having swept them, but also you can't afford you can't you're going to lose some of those series, and yeah. you can't afford to do that when the Cubs are not playing as strongly as they could. Yeah, you need to pounce on that. Yeah, I you know what really bothers me about that list you just read, Mike, is that for those teams that the Braves are on it, the, the Braves are, <laughs> the, these are these are teams that. You know, these are first-place teams, good teams, and they have not played well against good teams. And then now I think the Cardinals are really going to be kicking themselves about what they didn't get done against the Marlins, yes. against the Twins, exactly. against the Padres. Wouldn't it be nice to have a themselves. cushion? Yeah, you have a cushion. You bank wow, those missed wins. Opportunities. So if you, if you roll through a bad stretch and get swept a couple times, you have those wins in the bank. You don't have those wins in the bank because yeah. you, you don't – it's like this was on a platter. Yeah, exactly. This run was on a uh, unbelievable platter. This like this set of series that they had, and they can't, they cannot capitalize on that. But we're, we're wrapping up here, Mo. But I have to bring this up because mm-hmm. we're going to talk about your beloved Baltimore Orioles yet again. <laughs> Used to be beloved. You and know. one particular, I yet, by the way, you, you're uh, about to spoil my appetite here. One one particular Oriole. Mm-hmm. Named Chris Davis. Ooh. Ooh. He... <laughs> Chris Davis is having, is on pace for the worst baseball season ever. 
since they've been able to track <laughs> ever. You mean for that salary or In, just period? He's hitting 150. His on-base percentage is 227. Yeah. I think you'd have a higher on-base percentage if you just stood in the box and didn't do anything. If you didn't even take the bat, you'd have better odds of reaching base. Yeah. He's getting booed in my hometown. And he They're is, booing him at Camden Yards. And, and here's my question. Why, are they, why do they even have a chance to boo him? Why is he playing so much? He has played in like 92% of their games. He's played in like, I don't know how many games they're up to now, but he's played in like 57 to 65 games or something. Yeah. Why is he still in the line? Why is he playing? Yeah, that's a great question. This is this There's is nobody morbid. else. This I is guess, morbid. You know, you have a 50-50 raffle, and whoever wins it can play. You're not going <laughs> to get worse numbers. That's pretty bad. Think about this. There was a couple years. Was it two? He's what two years now into this this new deal? Oh, that's uh, before we, yeah, before I I let you uh, talk. They owe him ninety million dollars right. this year. He still makes hundred. I think he's got one hundred and fourteen left on the contract, counting this year. Yeah. So he. This dude is playing biblically bad, and he's owed $90 million. And guess what? I probably would have maybe saved a couple of those chips and thrown them at Manny, even though I don't understand why Manny Machado, a guy who spent his entire life in the organization from age 17, uh, can't even sit at the table with the Orioles and just even find out what it's going to take. You already gave... Chris Davis about one sixty. <laughs> if you if you look at Chris Davis making ninety million over the rest of this deal and he's hitting like this, Machado should just they should just give him the franchise. Like, <laughs> if you can play baseball, if this guy's getting one hundred and fourteen or whatever, yeah, there's not even a discussion. Manny's struggling in, in the field, by the way. I don't know if anyone's he's like last in in defensive runs saved and he's UZR. back. At, you know, he's back at shortstop. Yeah. Um, I thought outside of Nolan Arenado that Manny was the best. Feeling third baseman in baseball, and I, you know, at it's third, it was odd. It was odd, you know. I mean, I know that he likes. That's his position. Yeah, he, but it's like you, I mean, you're making hay at third base. Like, he's unbelievable at third base, and you know, he's a, he's a great athlete. Um, but yeah, when you talk about Chris Davis, it's almost hard to believe that a guy who you know, and I mean, I'm telling you, he's getting ripped all over the place right now. The organization is a disgrace like, right now should, anyway. He, he should be getting ripped because he is playing terrible baseball. And he's not doing anything to improve himself. I mean, everything that you hear is that he's not working. He's just hoping to swing out of it? I, I, I guess so. But that's the thing is, he, he shouldn't even be playing terrible baseball because he should not be playing. <laughs> he should be on the bench. Do you, I, do you realize that when he got that contract – that there was a restaurant in Baltimore that said, Chris, please sign with us, and if you do, we will give you a lifetime supply of crab cakes. What a waste of crab <laughs> cakes. Are you kidding me? Do you know what this guy has done by wasting all those crab? I mean, it, they're a delicacy, all right? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's just ridiculous. Well, if, if you want to get your appetite back, we're going to do the – the, the opposite, the polar opposite of uh, Chris Davis this season is Mike Trout, who is, in, who is on route in, in route to maybe the best well, he's MLB season of all time. He's hitting, he's got, what, he's got 23 homers, which is the best in baseball. He's got a 438 on base percentage, mm-hmm. which is the best in baseball. He has, at last check, like a day and a half ago, two days ago, he has a five, he's, uh, his war is over six now. Is six. Yeah, his war is now six 
Mm-hmm. And in 114 or something games last year, his war was like 6.7. So he's almost, almost, a war al- seven. almost already to where he was last year in half the time. Yeah, because he was hurt last year. And for context, his war of six, there are like seven or eight teams that don't even have a war of 5.5 collectively. He yeah. is he is outperforming in terms of value whole offenses. Yeah. And it is a tragedy that he is I you know that, that he very well could end up being the greatest baseball player of all time and about two thirds of the country it is never even gonna remember it. No. It, and until he shows up in all star games, you know, which is where everyone yeah. gets a chance to see him, you know, it, it's hard to believe too that he actually and believe it or not, a guy like Albert Pujols, um, going for 3,000. Think about how Albert was, yeah. would have been just all over the map, you know, nationally. Oh, with, yeah, with yeah. 3,000 hit bit. That just goes to show you what happens in Anaheim. Yeah. That's not really L.A. No, it's not. And it's, and it's not L.A.'s team. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's the Dodgers. In the same way that, like, the Lake Sh- Show. Shotani yeah. is actually overshadowed Trout. Oh yeah, completely. And pool holes. And like, and I know it's very early on in his career to talk to him about talk about him as the greatest ever. But like, look at the numbers he's putting up. Look at the numbers he continues to put up. Look how much career he has left. This guy could very much, you know, you know, my son was born on April twenty first, uh, but he'll be old enough maybe to remember Mike Trout, but he might not because Mike Trout could be ending at you know, he could legit ask me who who is Mike Trout. And I'll have to I'll have to explain to him like oh yeah no he's he's baseball's best asset and he's not on any national commercials really he doesn't yeah. show up on media he got shuffled off to Anaheim he plays out there and he was probably one of the best baseball players to ever walk the earth and yeah. your friends at school are not going to know who he is exactly now let me it's ask a- I know we got to go but let me ask you this if somehow he tore up his knee and could never play again obviously I hope that never happens but if something happened to him where he had to just walk away from the game. Does he go into the Hall of Fame? I think he does. Yeah, the the, the sheer amount of like numbers, even the cumulative numbers. Yeah, because you already, know how they are about longevity yeah. and and. But he's already put up enough career numbers over enough time to like objectively this pace, this baseball career is one of the all time greats, even if it's even if it's cut short. Yeah, because Kirby also, Puckett had a short in career relative to the other guys, and he's I think he has he has already stacked up enough like cumulative stats uh, to go to get in that conversation so i think no i think he's a hall of famer i think we're watching we're experiencing a hall of famer playing right now and no one is watching him which is really really <laughs> it's sad. unbelievable but that's it for our we've got like mike go man of many hats he now has to go assist the broadcast uh Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Maurice Drummond on Twitter at Maurice Drummond. JJ Bailey on Twitter at the JJ Bailey. Mike Ritter on Twitter at Mike Steve Ritter. As always, thanks for sticking around and be nice to each other.